Welcome back to Burst and Bloom Podcast, episode number five. So great to have you here with me. I am having such a great journey on this project, speaking to so many fantastic artists. Very inspiring. I learned so much from every conversation. Not only that, I like to think I'm making some friends. You know, this was my this is my whole ploy here was to make some friends. I'm so lonely. Okay, not true. But it is great to reach out into the community and to give back from this community that I think gives so much to our world, not just to me, but uh, artists make the world go round and sometimes they're recognized for that, but a lot of times they're not. And I just you know, want to reach out and give a little space for them to talk and share their story. So today you're going to hear Eddie Nikesh, or as some of you might know, Nikes. He will explain that part about his name. His parents came from Hungary uh, in their early 20s. So he's a first generation Canadian. And he says that had a little, you know, quite a big impact on his growing up and the way that his life was shaped. We have some of that in common. My grandfather is from the Ukraine. So that Eastern European work ethic, which is work yourself to the bone and be grateful for what you're given. Don't try and stick out too much. Just toe the line and everything will work out okay. But the Canadian kind of mixed up with that American dream idea of go big or go home is something that he grew up with. And so he's got both of those in him, and it's made a, an impact on, of course, like it all does for everybody, how we grew up and our parents, what they think, and then what we think, and those two at play in our lives. What I really enjoy about Eddie's story is how he went out he was like, I want that thing over there. So different from what he knew, right? Growing up with a family that there were not any artists. Uh, I was in that position too in my childhood, not really seeing that around me, just people going to work and getting their paycheck. So he did that, and but he always... Uh, thought about and dreamed of being an artist. So he would go and he would find it, he would experiment and then go back to work. Find it, experiment, go back to work. And it was like that in and out of his art life. He went to ACAD and we're going to talk about that. Great experience there. Went back to work. Now he's at it full time and his dream is to continue this until the end of time. He's opened a gallery in the hopes that that is going to contribute towards this goal of staying professional as a professional artist. He does amazing work. I have to tell you a little bit about about his work. Right now, he's working on a black surface and he brings light into the surface and he works with actually colored pencil lots of mark making and drawing. Drawing is his favorite medium 
and the subtlety of his blacks and how the light just kind of grows up. You feel like when you're looking at his work that you're just seeing the sunrise or the sunset, just that barely little bit of light. And he leaves a lot of negative space in the black, but it just slowly fades into light. It's a gorgeous, subtle, relaxing imagery landscape work. And that's what he says he's always been drawn to drawing, drawn to drawing. <laughs> Didn't mean to do that. Uh, for the longest time, it was just gray tones. And you know what? That's a fantastic way to learn how to draw and how to paint. They say, not to say I did it, but that working just with shades of gray, because you learn so much about light and dark, and you can see that how um, Eddie has really applied himself through his study of light and dark and has created some really subtle... Um, beautiful landscapes that you must check out. His goal is to sell one painting a month. Come on, guys. We can make this happen. Go and check out his space. The gallery that he has is open uh, three days a month. And we talk about that in the interview. The new Edward Gallery. You might see posters around because he makes posters for every show. And he has uh, different solo artists come in and do a show. Plus, there is his work upstairs in his studio. We explain a little bit more in the interview. Uh, Eddie's um, not, you know, super ambitious. You don't, Alex. You don't get that feeling from him. He's really chill, and he just wants to keep making art. And he wants to be able to have a little fun go on some holidays to, you know, BC once in a while, keep his house and keep painting. That's his ambition. And I think it's really, it, you know, when you talk to him, you feel really calm and uh, relaxed. So he's in a good space. And I hope that he finds a way to continue doing that for a while. <laughs> Another thing uh, is he's a rocker. He's definitely an ACDC fan. He has posters around his room. And when you see pictures of Eddie in ACAD, he's got the long hair and the jean jacket and the ACDC shirt. That wasn't really common in ACAD when I was going there. And I don't know about when he was there, but that's definitely it's his, it's his thing. He played guitar. He's a musician. So many levels. We only touched on a little bit in this interview. I hope you get a chance to meet him someday. All right, let's take it away with Eddie Mikesh. With Eddie in his uh, studio. Eddie, what's your last name? Nikesh. Nikesh. Yeah, and uh, I guess my parents thought it was a hard thing to pronounce or they found when they came to Canada that, uh, so they sort of went with an alternate pronunciation, which is just Nikes. Nikes, really? Yeah, and I thought that... And so say, how is it really it's said? Nikesh. Nikesh. Yeah. That's not hard. That's nice. Well, and maybe they were trying to avoid looking like immigrants or something. You know? Right. That's happened a lot. So that's interesting. You are... First Canadian. First generation Canadian, yeah. And very sort of uh, lucky and lived 
pretty privileged life here in Canada. And your parents are from? Uh, from Hungary, from Hungary. Eastern Europe, yeah. Uh, were they young when they came? They were. They okay. were very young. Okay. Like, uh, I think my mom was 17, 16. Right. And dad was 20. One or twenty-two. Okay, that's young, but that's not like children. They still right. had to right. adjust and for to, sure. And so that's the fact that you felt like you grew up privileged and stuff, and that's that's a different. It's almost like new immigrants then compared to new immigrants it's now, not, and what they face. Yeah, or are some differences. Yeah, it's quite an interesting dynamic. It's one uh, obviously growing up here was sort of. My father and I just don't really see eye to eye because of sort of the culture that I was raised in and what I thought was important and what he thought was important was not those things, right? Right. Like having lots of friends and like... That's his or yours? Mine. Okay. Yeah, and he was going, you know, you don't need all this fancy shit and all your friends. You just need to kind of bear down and like do your chores and work and you know learn things and so I don't know it was sort of a different emphasis right so the European way of more like buckle down concentrate focus on your work you never know when a war is going to start again maybe yeah something like that and like don't you know offend and stick out from the neighbors and like we don't want to look different they just wanted to blend in yeah which is interesting although still maintaining the passion for their own heritage but sort of not wanting that to be front and center here in Canada yeah and you fell right into the whole Canadian mentality we're new and oh my god let's make friends and have fun and yeah well I was born here so I guess it was sort of an easy transition and blend I didn't really think anything different I thought everybody's parents were European immigrants maybe you know what I mean yeah on some level so yeah yeah well there's a lot of that for sure yeah so uh it was just I guess one way of of being raised but uh definitely sort of groomed to be a bricklayer like my dad or a laborer or a tradesman or some kind of you know solid employment that would maybe have a union or something that would keep you going okay well into your you know until you're a senior. Do you remember the first time you made art? Yeah, I mean, I think the end of high school was sort of, it was getting borderline to, you know, actually being, you know, considered complete sort of art pieces, maybe. Um, but I think... How about when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, all the standard stuff, right? Okay. For sure. Drew tons, like, just drew all the time. Um and inspirations were comic books and, like, war stuff and, like, just all sorts of really kind of benign but just uh, things that I would get really wrapped up in that I would spend hours, you know, doing. So I think my parents knew that I had some affinity for for drawing and for being sort of in my own world. Yeah, I guess that's why I'm asking you is, I guess, because did they... What were their thoughts on creativity and art and... Well, I think they had a great appreciation for, you know, for music and for, although they weren't, you know, they didn't have big album collections or they weren't, they didn't sort of focus their money into those things. But, yeah. So there weren't instruments around. They weren't players themselves. Um, so it was anything sort of I discovered, I had to kind of go and get it on my own. Outside of the house. Yeah. Um, but did you ever express any desire to do that as a like 
profession? I think I did eventually. I think once we were, you know, high school was over and my um, high school prof at the time had sort of recommended to my parents that it might be a good route to go to the Alberta College of Art. Really? So I think that was a good thing for them to hear from somebody other than, you know, friends yeah. Or, yeah. or me or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's uh, oh, it was an exciting time. I, I eventually just went right into sort of labor and work and tried to make some money after high school. You just went right to work. You said in the oil and gas, right? Seismic? Yeah, I was sort of still working in Calgary doing sort of retail, drugstore, okay. kind of Calgary co-op and those sort of kind of retail jobs. And then once high school was done and I was free, I think I got a tip call one day that I could leave, just pack your stuff and uh, get on, go to this office and get on this van and they'll take you where you need to go. So I did that and uh, wound up in Grand Prairie and started sort of my seismic career up there. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And then you did that for all of your 20s, right? Yeah. Like it was uh, pretty on and off. I mean, you either do winter or summer seismic at the time. A lot of people were just doing one or the other. And then I sort of ended up doing both and then doing a lot of heli portable work and sort of stuff out in the mountains and um, it was just uh, a lot of fun, a lot of sort of really exciting outdoor stuff. So, Were you thinking of art school? Oh, I think all the way through. Like, it was sort of something that was just bubbling in the background, and I kind of needed to get out the, the piss and vinegar sort of of my youth, I thought, before I really buckled down into anything serious right. or took a run at it, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah. So that was your that was your trip to Europe. It was like the seismic. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I think by you know, nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight, I was starting to go. I'm kind of getting sick of working seismic. It's looking like a real dead end, and maybe it's time to you know, put some energy into trying to get into post secondary into going. Good for you. That's a hard switch. When you're making a lot of money? Yeah, it was difficult, but it was easy because I think it was just nice to be surrounded in a, you know, a really blossoming sort of education system where, you know, you're, you have great profs and you have people who are intelligent and you're learning sort of lots of theory and lots of really cool things that is captivating and it was not, I was ready to leave the oil patch, so... Yeah. Yeah, and it sort of lingered on beyond that a little bit, but um, really, I think the end was when I started school. I knew that this was something for me. And then you were there, like, you did it full-time, straight through. Yeah, full-time, straight through four years. Yeah. Which is good, because some people, I know a guy just finished, it took him 18 years. Yeah. But he was a lawyer prior to going... to school and had to slowly chip away at it and it's just sort of remarkable I mean everybody goes at their own pace right Right. so for me I was kind of in a rush because I was 30 I was going like I got to get this rolling here right so and then yeah I guess you it's so insulated you're just so overwhelmed with I don't know everything good about school and then once it's over it's a it's a hard sort of shock as to where you're gonna really apply yourself unless you're in you know visual communications or photography or something that's more applicable to jobs and yeah stuff and when you were there you kind of went pretty big <laughs> yeah like you 
you were telling me you wanted to just push the envelope. You wanted to really explore the boundaries of definitely art making. Yeah, and I think spurred on by my classmates, and we all sort of pushed each other to okay. new limits. I think it was a great dynamic to that that year I was involved in, and or, or my you know sort of group or graduating classes. We stuck together for four years and sort of made each other work harder than we would have on our own or oh. trying to do it alone, you know? Yeah, that's great. It's, there's, it's a unique place it for is. that school, like yeah. kind of pushing you to explore. And yeah, and no real limits. Like you could really go and nobody could really stop you too much. So, so one of your projects, you were showing me a picture of this what was this uh 12 feet or is that like double your height yeah yeah i think i would say pretty close hey 12 by maybe 14 yeah 12 by 14 (laughs) and it's uh recycled paper recycled paper yeah it was sort of anything we could get for cheap or free or like trying to use up stuff that didn't cost money because we were spending all our student loans on booze (laughs) (laughs) not some art supplies like that yeah Yeah. rent and whatever right so yeah it was uh, trying to just be economical yet still kind of splashy and big at the same time but there is as you discovered even later and now just that there's so much waste out there anyway I mean there's so much product available and unless you don't you have some sort of storage facility or a little warehouse where you put all your big crazy ideas there's not much you know there's not much place for that stuff so yeah I try and keep it pretty economical nowadays and yeah and I'm in a small space it sort of dictates the size of the work almost yeah and then at school so while while you had the big space you did another big project which got you into the globe and mail that's right yeah and this one you built a circular drum it almost looks like yeah like a cylinder a big centrifuge like if you went in there and there was like a gravity like at the (laughs) gravitron yeah the (laughs) sestapi yes but you and you said you kind of created that you got vertigo and stuff when yeah you were well you drawing. you know you're walking in circles for like 45 minutes an hour or two hours at a time it gets yeah, yeah it was like two uh roller bait ramps kind of up and together so it formed a closed in circle yeah there was no real door or entrance way you had to climb in climb over, over the top of the wall with the ladder drop in yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you lined it with paper that's right yeah and drew with charcoal and drew with graphite actually which is a little more resilient a little less shedding but it did shed quite a bit so I ended up having paper on the floor as well so anything that was residual and my footprints and all the mishmash ter- okay. turned into a kind of drawing of its of its own, which I kept in the end as well. Yeah, and it's always just like squiggly, almost look like a wave pattern, like like uh, sound waves. Yeah, yeah, I think you can op- like open interpretation. It. I was working in the Gulf of Mexico and Louisiana for about five months in the late nineties. So I was exposed to the ocean, which I had never been to. And uh, it was really, really incredible and uh, dangerous. And so we were very exposed in the ocean in small boats. And so I was quite impacted, I think, internally from those, from those months working and doing sometimes night shift in the right. ocean and just right. kind of weirdness in general. Yeah. Lots of sort of scary bugs and 
right. snakes, <laughs> snakes and uh, gators, and like yeah, it was really intense. Uh, so that's where the the sort of wavy line and it all kind of comes from. Uh, but just I don't know, thinking of and and you also use scaffolding in your studio. Well, I did at the time yeah. in, in art school, and it was just to get you know up to those heights. There was another fellow who was doing similar size work and he as well was using contraptions of all sorts to kind of get up and and deal with his work right so if you think about the idea of stretching beyond what you know beyond and into some space that's unknown how how do we do that yeah I don't yeah it's it's a tough one I guess like do you think it was just you were building ideas off of other people or or because they, it wasn't a lot of successful things, I wouldn't say, came, you know, not yeah. a lot of great art came out of that, but a lot of learning happened, right? And a right. lot of, like, rampant experimentation and sort of the ability to do things, which I just couldn't, could not even fathom really now. Yeah. Um, so I think it's it's just feeling like you've got the room to do that and... It was embraced there. We we really ran with trying to push not only size, but maybe content and things like that as well. And then, like, the fact that you went and did, like you said, okay, tell, someone told me to just go to this office and we'll get in a van and we'll go, right? Like Yeah, that's ex- another... Exploring into the unknown. Yeah, I think you have to push, you have to push yourself. Mm. I think that's where the discoveries are in that sort of cloudy milky unknown realm where you only see when you're in it you know yeah. when you're close into it right the jumping off into the abyss yeah which is daunting and a lot of people i don't think really are convinced that it that's the way to go and maybe it isn't for a lot of people it's the only place that i'm really comfortable in i find myself yeah. like i actually notice a pattern that when it gets too comfortable i will do like 180s Right. I make, like, big changes because yeah. I'm more comfortable with that than if there's too much Similarity here, you know, like, yeah. It's just like, okay, everything's just moving along, nothing's going wrong, nothing's big happening, and I start, I start to get, like, kind of freaked out about it. Are yeah. you the same, or... Well... What, what, like, what's your impetus? What motivates you to try... New things. I guess same thing. Like, I I get a lot of longevity or a lot of sort of... I feel there's room to maneuver in the things that I've sort of been engaged with over the last few years. So Mm -hmm. I don't feel like they're worn out quite yet. But when they are, there's this real sort of drive to want to just step in another direction. What does that feel like when something's worn out? Um, I think you're... I get a sort of calm feeling. Like, I've sort of pushed it enough. You know? It's just... I'm done. Yeah. just done with it. Bored? Bored, yeah, maybe. Maybe partly bored, too. Yeah. And I think those are things you can put down, and maybe lots of artists put down and reinvestigate maybe 10 years later or right. further down your in your career. But, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I feel pretty comfortable with what's going on now, although I have sort of three different styles of work that I'm working with, so it, it gives me a bit of flexibility. Your latest... Uh project was opening the gallery the new edward gallery yeah like sort of for the big it was kind of a life change you know and uh it was an opportunity and we just gave it a try and uh 
some days it feels successful and some days it doesn't and any sort of solo enterprise is something same thing it's sort of generating your own wind uh-huh. and trying to keep it going when there isn't all that hype and friends around and it's showtime and like the good times right mm-hmm. but when it's the low times and you're scraping and it's it's hard right? yeah yeah so um yeah those are just decisions I made to try and fund it directly out of my own pocket and um it it's not easy and I didn't yeah I don't know I didn't feel like uh it's time to quit quite yet yeah no um, absolutely yeah, yeah. so right. as a work in progress I think you know it's it takes time these are things that unfortunately are just about hours in and just getting to know people and and the gallery is located in, kind of in your, not really in your residence, but within, there's a fourplex mm-hmm. where you live. That's right. And it's commercially zoned, this area. It is. It certainly is. It's, which is a really nice thing. It was made my getting a city license uh, doable. Right. And a lot easier than it would have if we had to get, you know, some sort of commercial license. Yeah, you're licensed. Yeah, okay. yeah, which you're is kind of a thing. really good feeling. Real deal. Yeah, and the city really doesn't, you know, they weren't used to, they didn't understand what I was trying to do. Right. Or why I wanted this license. And so eventually, it took about eight months, but uh, we got wow, it. really? Yeah, of going Dude. back and forth and waiting to meet What was with. the problem? It was just... Uh, I don't know, I guess not understanding, trying to get, um, first of all, the, my place wasn't even on the city sort of map. Okay. Yeah, so they had to locate this piece of property, actually. Okay. And then it just goes on from there. It's really, uh, it's a lengthy process. But that is a process that a lot of people, it freaks them out to think of dealing with the government and, yeah, you know, like, I do my taxes, I do my personal, and I do my business taxes sort of at the same time, all in one bunch, and uh, it's been, we've been doing four years of it, and it's it's doable. Yeah. Um, it costs a little more, it's more out of pocket, uh-huh. um, but it sort of makes you feel like, you know, it's, it's as legitimate as we can make it, right? But it's licensed as, you were telling me, a studio. You couldn't yeah. license it as a gallery. Right. So basically as I'm producing a product or I believe that I'm trying to, I'm in production of some sort of product or service and yeah. this is a product and sort of a service, but um, that I would need a place to, I would like a place to show or to manage the sales of, potential sales of those items. So uh, that's where the studio is just right for my location and size of space yeah so um, galleries generally have to be a certain square footage and and you were saying parking and yeah like, handicap access yeah and, like it just becomes all a lot of sort of things that you have to fall in line with you know fire codes and regulations right. that are like super I tight mean, that's that's amazing because I I had a space in Art Central Okay. And yeah, yeah. I so I guess I didn't have to worry about that because that was the building. So we were all like little spaces in the building. Right. So we were all <clears throat> galleries, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't have to worry about the code or I didn't have to worry about parking. Or right. Same. I was in Cannery Row for, I don't know, about three years. Okay. And, you know, it's a multi-use space. Yeah. There's studios and fashion designers and all kinds of people in there, <coughs> which is a great spot. But, yeah, no worries on that. 
you know, that was the building manager's kind of all their responsibility. Mm-hmm. And we just paid the rent. And Yeah, but now that it's freestanding, you had to, if you wanted to call it a gallery, you had to worry about all that external stuff. Right. So the, yeah. the trade-off was you, you can call it the description of the studio. Yes, on the business opens, license. Yeah, on the business license that opens as a gallery... Three, three days, days a week. That's not right. a month. Three days a month. Three days a month. And the ga- and the studio is called the New Edward Gallery. The New Edward Gallery. So it's yes. it's a big play on words. Right. Yeah. That's you know funny. I mean? Right. Right. Crazy. And I think location has been key for us because my neighbors are basically Edmonton Trail and a house beside me, which is a lawyer's private sort of business residence, and just sort of buildings around here. So. When I do have an opening and we get 150 or however many people in for the evening, it's even if they're spread out on the lawn and there's a bit of noise, and we've never had a complaint. There's just been no no neighborhood hasslers. That's great. So far. Yeah. Knock on wood. Yeah, well, they're not here for the quiet, right? This is not like Burbville. Yeah, yeah, no. So this, this is, is kinda, like in the heart of the city. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> thumping and pumping. it well actually we continued to talk and we had talked on other occasions before we did that final recording so there's so much more we could have said but figured that's enough for you to get a taste of what Eddie's all about and he can tell you more if you get a chance to meet with him go to his uh, website new Edward gallery also I'll put some of his images and links to his site on the burstandbloom.ca website. If you are a musician and you have some music you'd like me to play on the podcast, please uh, send it my way. I'd love to hear it. I have a little broken social scene on this episode, All to All, which is a... I love broken social scene, and I hope they don't mind me using their music. I guess I'm not really super big time yet, but it's coming, baby, it's coming. I tell ya, with these artists, we're gonna skyrocket to the moon, y'all. All right, it's time for me to go to bed. You know, that horizontal place where you can actually sleep, much needed. Uh, I look forward to seeing you again for episode six. We have another amazing artist on for episode six. Again, I'm not going to give you the heads up in case something changes. Go and get out your pellets and burst in bloom, baby. See you next time.